There are essentially two questions that ethics seeks to answer. What should I do and who should I be? Welcome to Manage This, the podcast by project managers for project managers. Every couple of weeks we meet to talk about what really matters to you as a professional project manager. We seek out people who are right there in the thick of all kinds of projects to see what motivates them, what challenges them, and how they manage those challenges. I'm your host, Nick Walker, and with me is the one who is constantly challenging me to be my best, (laughs) Bill Yates. And Bill, this time around, we're going to talk about the difference between right and wrong. Uh, Am I right? You're right. You're always right. (laughs) And fortunately, we've got an answer man in the room with us. So all of our questions, all of our ethical questions that we ever have about any project or project team situation, he's going to answer. Everyone. Everyone. Uh, Okay. Okay. I can't wait. This could run long. Our guest is Bruce Weinstein, known as the ethics guy. He shows organizations around the world how ethical leadership is the key to sustained success. Bruce has a Ph.D. in philosophy with a concentration in bioethics. He's an ethics and leadership speaker and trainer. He's appeared more than 200 times on national and international news programs, and he writes a leadership column for Forbes.com. His books include Ethical Intelligence, Five Principles for Untangling Your Toughest Problems at Work and Beyond, The Good Ones, Ten Crucial Qualities of High-Character Employees, and for Tweens and Teens, Is it still cheating if I don't get caught? Bruce, one of the first things I've got to ask you is this fancy word, ethicist. So what? give us a definition for an ethicist, and then how did you decide you wanted to become one? Well, an ethicist is someone who teaches ethics for a living, and that strange word that no one can pronounce or spell is the reason why I decided to call myself the (laughs) ethics guy and trademark it, because that's something that everyone can say. And I think it conveys a sense of, you know, ethics is really for everyone, Mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be solely the domain of academics. Okay. One of the definitions I saw for ethics, and this may have been in your book, was to identify right conduct and good behavior. Is that a good working definition? Well, there are essentially two questions that ethics seeks to answer. What should I do? And who should I be? Uh And the first focuses on conduct or behavior, um, and it appeals to uh, the principles that I'll be talking about here today, the principles of ethical intelligence. And it's almost like solving a puzzle. What should I do here in this case with these facts at this time? The second question goes deeper. To ask who should I be talks about the qualities of character that we should develop over the course of a lifetime. So, for example, the difference might be um, a principle-based approach to doing ethics would be, should I tell the truth to this person right now? Mm -hmm. And a character or virtue-based approach, and I don't like to use the term character, which we can talk about, but a character-based approach would be... um, How can I develop honesty to a greater degree Mm. in my life? How can I be a more honest person? And that covers the span of our lives. Gotcha. Okay, one other, and this is a a curiosity that Bill has, so forgive me for this one. Did you become an expert on ethics because you got picked on a lot when you were a kid? Did you have like (laughs) a a mean sister? (laughs) I've never heard that. Well, one of the reasons I was picked on a lot is because I was a Jew growing up in Texas and people were always trying to convert me. And I remember getting swung around the neck by my mezuzah in a pool. And so, but that didn't really have anything to do with ethics. Yeah. I mean, all these traumas affect you in some way. Um, But the real reason is because um, I grew up in San Antonio and in our uh, 
government class junior year, we were asked to pick three books that had something to do with politics, mm. and we could choose whatever we wanted and write an essay. And my dad had, do you remember the Franklin Library series of books? Yeah. They had these beautiful leather bound sure, and yeah. gold trimming, and they were really yeah. elegantly done. A lot of love went into those books. And my, one of the books my dad had was um, The Republic by Plato. And I'd never read any philosophy before, so I thought, oh, well, that's about politics. I'll read that. And I was fascinated by how exciting and dramatic it was. And he mm -hmm. writes in dialogue. So it really reads like a great movie script, but about things that really matter, where the mm -hmm. stakes could not be higher. So that sort of whetted my appetite for philosophy. Uh, when I went to Swarthmore College, I um, took an ethics class, and I said, now, this is great. Uh, what could be more important than studying how we ought to live our lives? Mm. And I actually went to medical school briefly yeah. because my father was a physician and I thought I would go down that path. But um, after three months, I said, no, I'm going to try something else. And ethics was the way I wanted to go. And, um, mm. and it's funny because a lot of people with my training uh, become professors. And I did that for six years. But after about well, six years, I said, I want the world to be my classroom. Huh. I want to share this material with the world and do it in a way that's really accessible. Yeah. Well, that is so relevant to what the conversation that we're having today, because we have project managers out there who are listening, who are thinking, okay, there are tough choices, tough decisions that I have to make every day. I have to decide, do I raise my hand on this? Do I raise my voice on this? Is there an objection that I should, should voice? Uh, or is this okay? And uh, so I really appreciate you spending the time with us today to talk about ethics and the impact that it can have on project managers. Now, I know this is the interview where you're interviewing me, but I have a question for you about that, which is, would you say, generally speaking, for project managers, when there's uh, an ethical question that comes up, that the project manager really doesn't know what the right thing to do is, mm -hmm. or that he or she knows what the right thing to do is, but may not have the courage to do it. Mm, see, I love that. That You're pushing right into the, that's the sticky question, right? So that's that's the question we'll pose back to our listeners and say, okay, do we know the right thing to do? Do we have the courage to do it? Yes. So, yeah. Because quite frankly, I think, well, they're difficult in two different ways. And Mark Twain once said, it's strange that um, physical courage is so common and moral courage is so rare. Mm. Um, you know, it's one thing to go into battle, and I can't even imagine doing that. But sometimes being faced with, with a moral dilemma, with an ethical problem, um, can really uh, get to the core of who we are and be mm. troubling. And, you know, we hear this a lot. I, I want to be able to sleep at night, and that's why I decided say, yep. to tell the truth. Right. I wanted to be able to look myself in the mirror. Right, right. I have but to be true to myself. I have to be yeah. true to myself. And yet sometimes it, it really isn't clear what the right thing to do is. Yeah. Now, before we go deeper into the a model for ethical intelligence, uh, EI can stand for two things. It can stand for emotional intelligence or ethical intelligence. So let's draw the distinction yes. here between the two. So let's say that um, you and I know each other pretty well and we run into one another at the local Starbucks and you say, hey, Bruce, how are you? And I say, I'm fine. I say I'm fine, but you can tell I'm anything but fine. Hmm. <laughs> you know, so you can perceive yeah. 
that I'm not the way I usually am. Yep. And that is your emotional intelligence that allows you to do that because you're perceptive. You're not thinking merely about yourself. And that's what emotionally intelligent people are. Right. They are attuned not just to themselves, but to other people. But then the question is, so what should I do now? Bruce says he's fine, but he's not. Should I just, he's a big boy. He can work it out himself. Should I call his wife? Should I ask him then and there? What's the right thing to do? Hmm. Emotional intelligence can't answer that question because emotional intelligence is a psychological concept and ethical intelligence is an ethical or philosophical or theological one. So we need a different set of concepts or principles to address that. Mm -hmm. And that's where the principles of ethical intelligence comes in. And so what I like to say when I'm giving a presentation to audiences, to project managers, that, that the best project managers are both emotionally intelligent and ethically intelligent. Uh, nice. You need both to be a great leader. Okay. Very good. Bruce, one of the things that I really appreciated in your book, Ethical Intelligence, Five Principles for Untangling Your Toughest Problems at Work and Beyond, was just what that subtitle says. You give five principles. They're yes. nice. They're short. Uh, let's just quickly go through the five, okay. and uh, then I may ask you to delineate a little bit further on sure. those. But Let's talk those through. So the most fundamental of all is do no harm. Yeah. And we know that physicians are, are taught in medical school, Absolutely. first do no harm, yep. nursing students, pharmacy students, dental students, clinical social work, that, that part of being a healthcare professional is to make sure that you don't make the patient worse off. <laughs> right. We want to make the patient better off. Yeah. But um, when you think about it, as you mentioned, it really applies to everyone. And I was speaking to some eighth graders in New York, and I asked, when you hear do no harm, who do you think of? And one student said, I think of hippies. <laughs> and, and another student said, I think of vegetarians. Okay. The teacher said, I think of police officers. Huh. And it's really hard to envision what society would look like, how chaotic it would be if we didn't have the do no harm principle as the foundation. Hmm. Yeah. And that takes us to the second principle, make things better. Okay. And uh, it's funny, on the, on the plane ride down here from New York, um, at the beginning of the flight, the flight attendant said, in the event of the loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop down. And if you're with a small child, you put the mask on the child first, because it's very important to, right, to make sure that yeah. the kids are protected, right? I don't think so. No, they don't say That's that. That's not my they? flight. Nope. That wasn't, no. <laughs> Oh, I was right. on Econo Air. I guess they, were, they, they didn't really pay Contra to, Air. Or Contra Air. Yeah. I hope there isn't really an Econo Air out there. <laughs> yeah. But um, if there is, I'm sure that you are a highly ethical company. Actually, I'm not sure. How would I know? Uh, we're I'm not going sure to take know. a position on Econo Air. But getting back <laughs> to what the flight attendant says, why does the flight attendant say, put the oxygen mask on yourself, even if you're with a child? Isn't mm -hmm. that selfish? If you're going to be efficient and able to do able to carry out the actions that you need to, you've got to have oxygen. So you need to take care of yourself first in order to help others. What you just said is so profound and has implications for every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if project managers like uh, other folks, other busy people, tend to focus maybe a little too much or maybe a lot on giving to others and yeah. not enough on themselves. And this is the thing about ethics that I think is unfortunately so troubling, that we think it's something that we ought to do and have to do with respect to other people. But as the oxygen mask example shows us, mm -hmm. we have to look after ourselves too. And that's a good thing. That's not a selfish thing. Right. Yeah. Oxygen mask. That's a great metaphor for project managers. Take care of yourself first. If you're healthy, you're modeling it for the team. Yes. 
And you're able to to meet their needs better. And you're able to meet uh, the responsibilities you have to your clients, yeah. the obligations that you've promised. Right. So there's no shame mm-hmm. in looking after yourself and getting a good night's sleep. Yeah. I hear people brag all the time. Oh, I, I only slept four hours last night. That's not that's not something to brag about. Yeah. I mean, right. I guess there occasionally there are people who can get by, but most of us need seven or eight. Yeah, that's true. Um, I I do think we tend to uh, demonize folks who. Mm take their sleep seriously. Yeah, isn't that funny? Well, there's the third item too, which is respect others. Yes, that's the third principle. And there, from an ethical perspective, um, there are three ways we show respect for people. Telling the truth, keeping confidential things confidential, and keeping mm-hmm. our promises. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And then um, the fourth is be fair. To be fair is to give to others their due. And especially in um, the 21st century, the savviest project managers take things like diversity and inclusion seriously because it's the fair thing to do and it benefits their company. Before I get ahead of myself, the fifth principle is be loving. Well, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. In the book, I decided to road test this idea of love and see if it flew in a business context because I thought, you know, the term love isn't just a romantic idea. It's much broader than that classically. But what I found going around the world teaching this is that the term care or compassion or kindness um, it seems to be uh, more fitting in a professional setting. So I've changed the fifth, the name of the fifth principle to care, but it's the same mm-hmm. idea. Yep. And I should also say that I didn't come up with these five principles. I adapted them from a masterwork called Principles of Biomedical Ethics by Tom L. Beecham and James Childress. They wrote from a philosophical point of view, and they wrote for the biomedical audience. I simply uh reworded the principles to make them more accessible and yeah. broaden the scope of them. But also, if any project manager goes to his or her code of conduct, they'll see these principles hmm. referred to in some way. Yes, there. right, right. One of the, an analogy that I've seen you make is uh, care or love, that fifth principle, is the WD-40 of relationships. So it makes all the others work. Talk about that. When a relationship gets squeaky, this this is what you should apply. Is that what you mean by that? I had forgotten that I said that, but <laughs> that really is a brilliant turn of phrase. And I, I assume that I came up with that. A, a friend of mine, actually, when we were uh, talking about gratitude, which you could say is related in some way to care, um, he talks about how gratitude greases the wheels mm, of business. Yes. And by the same token, care more broadly really does work like WD-40. It just makes things work better and you but the other thing it does is it engenders great employee loyalty right because how many project managers do you know leave a well-paying job to take one that might not pay as well because in the first job i felt like my manager didn't really care about Mm -hmm. me i felt like my my supervisor just was was looking at me as a means to an end yeah i gotcha okay we have five principles now to to work off of and i want to get into some scenarios that project managers face uh, one of the, just, I think for everyone in a workplace, one of the first questions is, uh, the fearsome foursome. <laughs> <laughs> so you describe the fearsome foursome in the book, and I think it's excellent advice, uh, for, for professionals. There are topics that we should avoid, avoid in the workplace. Yes, yes. Can you describe what those are? So the obvious ones are sex, money, 
specifically how much you make, yep. uh, religion. And, you know, we're recording this in the year before the presidential election in the United States, politics. Yeah. We can talk movies. We yeah. could talk about TV shows, uh, what we ate for dinner. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Oh, boy. Um, maybe a coffee mocha. Coffee mocha. Mm-hmm. Let's say I like vanilla. Would you say, you might say Bruce has different tastes than I yeah, do. Yeah, okay, right, right. But he's not wrong for like Just has different tastes. West Almond Mocha Licorice Fudge or whatever <laughs> it is. Um but if you and I are on different sides of a political issue, a controversial political issue or a political candidate, right? you don't think I have a different point of view. You think I'm mistaken. Right. And it's a short leap from Bruce's mistaken to Bruce's an idiot, and I don't want to work with I him. I don't want to want my team. And the yeah. thing is, most of these political discussions have nothing to do with a project at hand. Yep. So there is no good reason to talk about politics at work and every good reason to leave it behind. Gotcha. That's good. Yeah, there are things that we can joke about, you know, favorite sports team, flavors of ice cream, favorite movie. Those are lighter subjects. But when sure. You get into, there, there are lots of things. Yeah, but, you um, talk about religion and politics, then, okay, wait a minute. You're getting too serious. Yeah. Okay. So if if the fearsome foursome we should avoid, then what can we – can we joke around? Can we be lighthearted in the workplace? Is it okay to tell jokes? You know – um, I'm afraid that uh, with the sensitivity that has been appropriately developed in the workplace that uh, some folks might feel that we're going too far in prohibiting speech or conduct that could offend anybody. Um, But the thing is, there are lots of jokes that a person can tell that don't risk offending people, don't risk being... Uh, committing sexual or racial harassment. Right. There, there are lots of jokes. And he, actually, this is totally unphilosophical, but this is the rule that I use. And it's and, and when, I, when I disregard it, it does not serve me well. If I hear a voice in my head saying, don't tell that joke, <laughs> right. and I tell it anyway, it's never good. You regret it. <laughs> so, you know, we're talking about ethical intelligence and five principles, but what right. it really comes down to, for the kind of people who are listening to this podcast anyway— um, when that voice says, hey, don't do it, that's worth listening to. Mm, good. Good advice. Bruce, I want to shift gears with you. And I want to, I want to talk about a situation. Um, what do you do when your manager gives you an assignment that you think is unethical? Um, I want to answer that question with another question because it really depends on the facts. Yeah. So can you give me uh, more information about what yeah, let's say the like you give an example in the book of um, somebody's asked to create some false reviews yes. online, maybe on Amazon or or I think it, the example was for a book. Yes. You have authored a book. Now, as my employee, I want you to go out and put a great review out there. Yes. And you've read it and you said, mm, this actually stinks. <laughs> right, right. So is it better to just um, tow the company line and avoid making waves and right. make my boss happy? Or So if I may ask you, um, book reviews on Amazon, what's the purpose of a book review? They want information to make yeah. a good decision. Now, if I'm reading all these rave reviews and they are false, they're lies, and mm-hmm. I buy it and, wait a minute, people like this thing? Yeah. How will that affect the way I look at book reviews on Amazon? Mm-hmm. Will it make me trust them less? Absolutely. Right. And it will make me respect the, the, the writer less. Nothing good comes from this. The, there's, there's a short-term benefit of some temporary book sales. But the long-range 
consequence is nothing uh, positive. Mm-hmm. And so as dip, this is this is an example, I think, of where one is called upon to be courageous and say, sir or ma'am, I can't in good conscience do what you're asking me to do. If you'd like, though, I could uh, be happy to give you some suggestions for how you might improve the next draft of this yeah. book. See, That'll I like, probably yeah, won't fly. I like that last part. That's really good, Bruce. And I, where I've gotten into trouble in my career is if, if all I do is say, oh, I don't like this. You know, but I don't, in other words, I, I, I yes, object, yes, but I don't yes, give an option yes. or, okay, right, let's right, think right, about how we right. can work through it. And that's Good. why the praise sandwich, I think, is a useful way of responding to challenging situations. So if you gave me a book that I thought was junk, I, I might say, Bill, I love the passion you write with. Hmm. Now, assuming that I'm being sincere, yeah. well, how would you feel? Would you, would you want me to tell you some more? Yeah, so, yeah, sure. So bring it on. Now, this yeah. is where I stick it to you. Yeah. But not in, a, in, a, in a, a, a critical or harsh way, I might say. But I, I do have some concerns. I, I feel that um, a lot of the arguments were not very clear, and there were some references that I think were not accurate. I would welcome uh, a revision of this book. And then I end with something positive, and I look forward to reading the next draft and and cheering you on your success. Yeah, Praise, criticism, praise. The praise sandwich, it's a great way to respond to tricky situations like mm-hmm. this. But the, the bottom line has to be, I'm not going to write a lie because my boss asked me to. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. Right. One of the mottos that you have that is, I think, very applicable to business is truth conquers all. And in that, I think about different scenarios that project managers face, and I think, okay, how can we look at truth conquers all, think about the five principles, and then help our project managers through some of these sticky situations? Yes. And one of those is, what if I know something about my company that I'm, okay, I'm a project manager, I'm employed by a company, I know something about my company, a piece of bad news, at what point should I give that piece of bad news to the customer? For example, what might that be? It could be um, we could be in a financial situation. It could be that um, maybe we have a product that's being recalled. Maybe there's a safety issue. Uh, so there's something that is not public yet, but that may become public. Um, should I, you know, am I ethically, sh- what's my consideration? Should I go yes. forward to the customer ahead of time? You know, what? What should I do? One of the problems that business, not just project managers, but everyone in business faces is the trust of people in authority. And a lot of that has been eroded because we've been lied to so often by so many different powerful people. And the downside to being truthful is almost negligible compared with the downside of lying or withholding information. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's funny, Bill, last year, two separate talks I always ask uh, my audiences in advance to to tell a story about uh, how doing something ethically intelligent resulted in something positive. Mm. And in two separate audiences, two engineers told me that um, they had admitted that they made a mistake to a client. Huh. And, in, and in one case, it was going to set the construction uh, back months. Wow. And the engineer was was petrified that the client would fire him. But the client didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Instead, the client said, this is so refreshing to be told the truth. Not yeah. only am I not going to fire you, but once we finish this project, I'm going to give your company additional contracts. Mm-hmm. And in one case, those additional contracts were for 10 years, and they netted $3 million. Wow. 
Here's a direct line between honesty and a financial benefit. Hmm. Now, we can't always see a quantifiable financial benefit to being truthful, but a lot of times we can. And it, you know, I, I hope one thing the project managers listening to this will do is to try to find stories like that because I'll bet you at their company yeah. there are stories like that and they're not known. Right. Why should this be a company's best kept secret? When that engineer told me this, this was in a room with 95 peers, senior leaders from around the country, and it said, please raise your hand if you've heard Jeff's story before. Uh, one hand went up mm. and it was Jeff's partner. Oh, wow. Yeah. Does This, this makes no sense at all. Yeah. Truth conquers all. That's a great example. It's much better than yeah. let the buyer beware, isn't mm-hmm. it? Sure. Yeah. Which yeah. is what we're which is what Amazon is becoming with all these false reviews. Right. Right. Another example I want to run by you. Uh, let's say that I'm a project manager and I have a team and I have a very important resource on my team. That resource is about to get pulled onto another project because our our company has just won a big lucrative contract. A new project is starting out. And uh, my key resource is about to to be snagged onto the other team. I haven't told my customer yet. How long should I wait? Well, let's look at the question. Um, why do you owe your customer any explanation mm, yeah, at all? Yeah. Because um, we made a promise to deliver this project and also with these people. And the thing is, mm. isn't this resource going to be replaced by someone who's also good, also capable, yeah. also qualified? Well, right? Certainly it's hope so, that, right. That you're not going to drop the quality. Mm-hmm. And so I think, again, like with the situation with the engineer being honest led to greater trust, mm. a, a customer who's being told the truth will say, you know what? This company is really different from the other ones. They actually tell you the truth. They mm. volunteer the truth. Yeah. So it's almost as though we're using ethics as a marketing or, or advertising. Mm. Good. Isn't yeah. that amazing? So that transparency is building trust. That trust just takes that relationship with the customer And, and it's the and best deeper. possible PR you could hope for. Because yeah. what's this customer going to do is going to tell his or her friends, hey, mm-hmm. Acme, man, they, they they do the right thing by you. Yeah. And they not only told me the truth, but they delivered what they said they were going to deliver. Mm-hmm. To deliver. Yeah. All right. Another scenario I was thinking of was if we have a feature that um, we're to deliver on and it's failing – and we've, we've, our, our team has come to the realization that, okay, that's not going to happen. Maybe in the contract that even says that that's something we're going to deliver on. Um, again, I, I'm, I think I got you figured out now, Bruce. I think you're going to say, yeah, you need to go have that conversation sooner rather than later with the customer and let them know. I actually think that these are more psychological than ethical dilemmas mm. because it I don't see the ethical justification for withholding the information yeah. or certainly not lying about it. Right. Psychologically, yes, it's hard to, mm-hmm. to, to find the courage to say to sit down with a person knowing that they're probably going to be angry. They right. might not want to do business with you again. But the thing is, can you blame them? Yeah. Mm. You might lose a customer because of this. Yeah. You might. But what's the alternative? Yeah. You, I mean, they're going to find out eventually, but uh, what we're talking, but that's the cool thing about these principles is that they apply in project management mm. and HR mm. and in dating and in parenting. It's the same principles. Yeah. And I, I have, here's a, an HR dilemma that I think project managers face often, which is I have a team member come to me and say, you know, I've got something personally that I'm dealing with. Maybe it's a health issue. Uh, it could be a family issue. And their availability is going to change or they can't travel for a while, something to that effect. Um, 
At what point, you know, again, you've got uh, kind of a, a leader and a, a team member relationship there. At what point does that leader say, oh, this is something I need to alert senior management to, my management to, uh, or the other team members, and when should they keep it yes. to themselves? Well, I guess it depends uh, on what the facts are with respect to this employee. Is this something that the employee really doesn't want to be known mm. publicly? Is it right. sensitive? How might it adversely affect that person? So mm. there's some variables there. But I do want to say I don't want to leave the impression that uh, in every situation, a project manager is ethically obligated to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, mm-hmm. because we want to balance being honest with not hurting people. Right, and that's the challenge. Bruce, the reality is, project managers sometimes get angry at work. Sometimes we get angry with customers. Sometimes we get angry with our those team members that are maybe not doing exactly what we'd hope they do, and. Um, I want to get your feedback on the ethical way to respond when, as a project manager, as a leader of people, I am angry. What should I do? If if I work for you, Bill, and over the course of eight years, I never saw you get angry, I would think this is dangerous because mm-hmm. at one, Bill's going to snap and then who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. It's it'd be, it'd be strange not to feel anger, especially when someone either doesn't do something they were supposed to do or didn't do something they should have done. Yeah. So it's understandable. The question is, what are we going to do with it? And there are better and worse ways of dealing with anger. Usually what I've found, the worst way is to express it at the time, especially if you get an email or a text that makes you mad, to fire one back. Yes. Someone close to me in my life, not my wife, but someone else routinely fires angry emails and texts back, and they always regret it. Uh, and as well they should because it's nasty. Had they just waited, written it, and then not sent it or looked at it the next day, you would have seen it once the anger cools down. The main takeaway here is to step back for a moment. Hmm. And, I, you know, we use the term timeout for dealing with kids. Why doesn't that apply to us too? Take a timeout. Right. Because I, the thing is, if if I blow up at you and I say things that are hurtful, I can never take them back, and you're always going to remember it, and you're Mm -hmm. going to think about me differently and not in a good way. Mm -hmm. I can never change that. Mm -hmm. Yep. I was watching a movie, a 2014 movie called Chef. It's with— Oh, John Favreau? Yeah, 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 yeah. John Favreau. Did that make you hungry? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) incredibly (laughs) so. It's a food truck movie, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so he's a chef who uh, gets burned out and— then opens up a food truck. There's the reuniting with his son and all that. There's a scene in that when a critic comes at him yes. and says, you've lost your edge. Ten years ago, you were amazing. Now you're pedestrian and just really blasts him. And then uh, the character, the chef, played by Fat Rope, uh, he goes off on him. So they start this Twitter back and forth. And it then it all culminates with a scene in his own restaurant where the, the critic is there eating and the chef just explodes and goes off on him. And it's, I mean, literally to the point where he's grabbing food off his plate and just crumbling it up in front of him, throwing it down. So everybody's watching it. Video goes viral. That's the the flow of the movie. Um, so but yeah, we all regret, you know, that's one of those things that at times I think for PMs when they're about to lose it, we need to hit that pause button and go, wait a minute. We don't want to create the viral moment. Yes. <laughs> Well, now, it's funny. As you were telling that story, you were smiling, and the yeah. film is a comedy, right? Yes. So these kinds of conflicts make for great uh, films and, and TV shows, yep. stories, because the essence of drama is conflict. But in real life, we don't want that kind of conflict. Right. 
So if if that happened in real life, if you were John Favreau's character in yeah. real life and did that, you wouldn't be smiling telling us that story. You, you'd be filled with anxiety yeah. and, and regret. So it may make for a great movie, not so great in real life. Yeah, it's a teachable point. Don't be that guy. Watch it. Watch it in a movie, get it out that way, but don't be that guy. And in right. fact, I think this is one of the reasons why we love movies like this, uh, TV shows like Scarface, The Godfather. These are cautionary tales. Yes. I mean, to different degrees, right? Food truck versus being in the mafia. But um, they show us what can happen if we let the worst parts of ourselves get the best of us. Yeah. Hey, I like that. Fr- I just came up with that. You like that phrase? I like that a lot. To let the worst parts of ourselves get Become the, be- the best. I'm going to... the best of us. Yeah. Okay, whoever's listening to this, don't use that in a book because I'm <laughs> going to use it. Anyway. <laughs> so we've talked about the five principles of ethical intelligence. Do no harm, make things better, respect others, be fair, and then care or be loving. Show care, compassion, and kindness. Those are a great framework for project managers to to consider as they consider the scenario that's presented, run it through that filter. Uh, you've given great advice on anger. You know, take a time out, run it through that filter. We appreciate your input, sir. You are truly the ethics guy. You're very kind. And, and if anyone wants a deeper dive on this, we've actually done a Velocity Teach course on this topic where we go into greater depth. I uh, want to thank you for spending time with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Are you and, kidding? Uh, Bruce, what is the best way to, for, for those who want to go deeper, what's the best way for them to reach you? Is it your website? They could uh, go to theethicsguy.com and uh, send me an email or write to me at bruce at theethicsguy.com. Or they can call me directly at 424-394-0804. 424-394-0804. The name of the Velocity course that we've completed is called Leading with Ethical Intelligence. And I think you're going to like it because it's high content, highly interactive, and we make it fun. Mm-hmm. Yes, ethics can be fun. There you go. You hear from the source. That's it. Rock and roll. Hey, we have one other thing we'd like to do, and that is show our appreciation for you making the trip here to our office. And uh, as you go back through TSA and your travels, I hope that this mug makes it safely through your travels and is not confiscated. Manage this. This is a manage this mug. Our recommendation there is whenever you have an angry moment, Fill that with your favorite beverage, sip on that beverage, and then respond. So not throw it against the wall because then I I can't (laughs) reuse it. I I think this is a really cool logo, and it's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being our guest. It's a pleasure. We have a favor to ask our listeners right now. We sincerely hope these podcasts are valuable to you. Would you let us know by leaving a review on Google Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or other podcast listening app. You can also leave us a comment on our website, velociteach.com, or social media. We'd really like to hear your feedback. And we also hope you're taking advantage of the free PDUs, professional development units that we offer to help you with your recertifications. To claim them, go to velociteach.com and choose Manage This Podcast from the top of the page. Click the button that says Claim PDUs and click through the steps. That's it for this episode of Manage This. Thanks for joining us. We hope you'll tune back in for our next podcast. Until then, keep calm and manage this.